I like to take January and take time for uh, some contemplation, some motivation, and some foundation. And I hated that I had that, that rhyming thing right at the end, you know, of doing this almost at the end. We got one more week, but contemplation, motivation, and, and foundation. And we started in Psalm 90. I'm going to move this around just in case that's me popping. Uh, we started in Psalm 90 where Moses wrote, teach me to number my days so that I may develop wisdom in my heart to move forward. And so we talked about how we end the year and we start the new one. God, where am I in my life? What's going on? Taking a personal inventory. Where am I and where am I going? Because if we don't have a plan and a purpose to move in a direction, we're going to drift in whatever way, you know, the wind is blowing. So we want to contemplate there. And then motivations when we looked in 1 Corinthians, when Paul said, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. The grace of God has brought me to where I am. He said, but the grace of God towards me is not going to be in vain. It's not going to be me with empty hands because I'm going to work harder than everybody else. That God has blessed me with this grace. So because of that, the position he's put me in, I'm going to step forward in this life and I'm going to work uh, towards glorifying him in this earth and reaching people for Christ. And, and then we talked about the foundational things in our life. Um, that we need all the time, but that we have special focus on at the first of the year so we can set an agenda through the year to my prayer and our life in the scripture, having those foundational pieces of our life. And hopefully you've seen as we've gone through it, how critical those are to our life here together. Uh, if you missed any of those, want to listen to them again. We've got that on podcast. You can get that through uh, the website, Camden Believers Church. Dot com, or you can just search for Believer's Church, Apple Podcasts, all of those things. And, and then today, I want to talk about the blessing of the church. The blessing of being a part of the body of Christ. And anybody in here, when you were little, that you were a kid? Most of us, you were little, you were a kid. When you were little, small, like most of the kids who just left out of here, what did you want more than just about anything else? You wanted to get bigger. You wanted to be older. Why? Because you can do more. I want to be bigger, faster, stronger, smarter. I want to be able to, I want to be independent, right? They use, I want to do what I want to do. When can I not have parents anymore? I want to be 18 so I don't have to listen to anybody. <laughs> Good luck. I'm still listening to people. I don't know when that stops. I think you get older and then you have to start listening to your kids, right? And they start telling you, yeah, there we go. But that's what we want. And, and when, we're, when we're young, it seems to take forever for us to grow up, right? A year when you're younger takes, took forever, right? I feel like I was in fourth grade for like a decade. It was like a long time when you're young and you want to grow up. You want to move forward. You want to take the next step. You want what's ahead, but it doesn't come quickly, right? We want to grow up fast, but we forget about growing up well. Because we see kids that have had situations in their life uh, where, we, where we say about them, he just had to grow up too fast. She just had to grow up too, with what she dealt with. She was dealing with adult things way too hard. She's had to grow up 
too fast. And we say that in a negative, right? Because it's hard on them. It's hurtful to them to have to grow up so fast. And yet that seems to be what we want. And we have that same want when it comes to our relationship with God and our walk with Christ. We want to come in day one and be able to take dominion and be completely victorious and never struggle with any issues and always have patience. Right. We want that. And we, we have that expectation and it doesn't work out that way. Right. Because our growth in him is just like our growth in the natural. It's one day at a time, a piece at a time gradual into maturity. And thankfully, it's like that because that's lasting. Right. But what we're going to talk about today is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us as he grows us into the image of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what scripture says that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory. And I want to read to you this morning out of Hebrews chapter 10. If you'll join me there and starting in verse 19, Hebrews 10 and 19, the writer says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated us for a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Then he says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And here's what I want us to get to today. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray as we uh, receive from the word today. Father, I thank you that you open our eyes to the wonders of your word that you teach us today, Holy Spirit, that you continue to grow us and mature us in the things of the spirit as individuals and as the body of Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that you comfort us today with your word, that, that you cleanse us today with your presence. And we love you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So there in starting in verse 19 through 22, he's telling us what Christ has done for us. It says we have boldness. We can boldly enter into the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus because he has inaugurated. See, we, we went through an inauguration. We've been inaugurated. Uh, there's been an opening to a new and a living way through the curtain. That is through his flesh. The curtain was torn in the temple and we were able to access his presence. His flesh was torn and we were able to access the presence of God through his sacrifice. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. These are things that he has done for us. It's, it's saying since he has done all of this, then he's going to pick up with what we should do from there. It says, hold on to the confession of our hope, which are the, some of the things we just said, right? That's our hope that we have life in Christ, that he's inaugurated. He's opened a new and living way for us in this life and saved us from what we were in, saved us into where we're going, which is his kingdom. 
And then it, it lists some things to do. It says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting together together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I want to cover some of these things this morning. Number one, that we watch out for one another, that we consider each other. Yours may say consider that we provoke one another to love and good works, that we gather together and then finally that we encourage one another. Again, starts with what we have in Christ and then in verse 23 to 25, what to do with what we've been given. So let's start with the first one. He says, consider one another or watch out for one another. That means to fix your eyes on something, to put your attention on something. What are we putting our attention on? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Putting our attention on, watching out for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. He has given us the gift of being in the body. And he's also given us as a gift to the body. That's how that, that's what we live in. You, you're a gift to the body and the body is a gift to you. Think about your arm apart from your body, your arm. It doesn't even have life. It's not useful. It's not alive. But in the body, your arm benefits and then also your arm is beneficial to the whole body. That's how it works for us in the body of Christ. Now, we don't look to one another for the things that Jesus provides. It talks about in here what Jesus is supposed to do for us, what he puts on his own shoulders. We don't look to one another for the things that he provides. And yet we are to keep an eye on one another, to consider one another and watch out for one another. Why are we supposed to do that? What's the purpose in doing that? And he tells us with the second one we want to talk about. To provoke love and good works. Now the word provoke is normally not used in a positive context, is it? Uh, what, what happened? He provoked me. So we fought. You know, that, it, there's a negative context to it. But provoke uh, it just means to stimulate, to cause something to come out of, to incite. We've heard that word recently, haven't we? To, to incite Something And again, not normally used in a positive context, but why can't it be? You know, we would normally say, look what you made me do. You know, you provoked me to do this, but it could also be positive and go, look what you made me do. You made me do this. You, you stimulated me to do this. You incited me to do this. He's saying provoke one another, stir each other up to love and good works. So why would he use such a loaded word, a word like provoke, which almost gives you the picture of, you know, kind of get, get, getting in somebody's face. Hey, like a football. Coach. Hey, let, let's do this. Let's go. Why would he use that word to provoke, to incite, to stir up? And the answer is because we need provoking. That's what we need is provoking we're not on the other side yet. We're not home yet. And for us to be fruitful in this life for the kingdom, it's going to take work. It's going to take work and it's going to take discipline. And you may say, well, I thought it was the spirit. It's by the power of the spirit that we bear fruit in our life, right? It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of the Stephen. The spirit is bearing fruit in our life. And that's exactly right. Without the spirit, you have no hope of ever bearing fruit of goodness and righteousness in your life. And yet, 
even though it's impossible without him, God has put us in a place in this life that even with him, we co-labor. Again, we can't do it without him. He's the one that does it. But my part in it is not completely passive. Right. I got to show up. I got to lock in. I got to be ready to go again. I can't ever do it without him. But he won't do it for me without me doing something. When we're talking about enjoying life in Christ, that doesn't just happen to me passively with me just sitting. There are things that are very passive that I do very, very little, but he still requires me to do something. Amen. Without him, I can't do anything. And yet he has me co-labor with the spirit. So we need provocation. Why else would scripture prescribe it? We need to be provoked to love and good works. Kelly and I were talking just last week. She joined a gym here locally a few months ago, quite a few months ago now, back in the fall. And she was telling me I'd come home from work. She had had kind of a long day and she was going to go to the gym at 430. And she said, you know, if I wasn't going to the gym, like if I wasn't normally going, I wouldn't work out today. If I hadn't already paid for the gym, I would not be working out today. Why? Because she was she was tired, but she's like, I'm bought in and there's people there that are expecting me. So I'm going to go. If it was just me, I'm not going today. I'm laying out today. And she said about the workouts, because they, they had some time where the gym had to be closed for sanitizing and all that. And she said, what I found out is when I, they would post the workout, hey, this is the workout we were going to do at the gym today. Do it at home. She said, what I found out is that if I'm at home doing it and it's just me, I may not do that last set. If I start getting tired, I may just go, okay, that's, that was good. That was enough. She's like, but when I'm there and I've got somebody going, don't stop, Kelly. Now let's go one more time. Now push it up. Don't quit. Keep going. She's like, I do it. And I get it done. When I'm at home by myself, I can't push through that last part. But when I've got somebody, you know, basically getting on me to finish, I'm able to finish. And what is that? It's provocation. Unless we're pushed, unless we're provoked, unless we're incited, we're not going to go as far as we can go. We're not going to do as much as we can do. We're not going to hold on as long as we could actually hold on. If it's just us, we're going to go, whew, that was tough. That was hard, right? And there, there are things in life that are good and right and beneficial for us that we will not pursue fully unless we're provoked unless we're incited, unless we are pushed. And and that's what happens with the gym. And we're called to that same accountability as the body of Christ to provoke one another to love and good works. And look at the effect. When you're provoked to love and good works, there's a simultaneous and a silent call out of things that aren't love and good works. If you're cheering one another on to do the right thing, there's a light shined in there into your life that goes, all right, now, is there anything in there that's the wrong thing? You don't have to focus on it. You don't have to drill down into it. But when you get provoked at the gym to do that last set, guess what? It's also calling out. It's also calling out a little bit of laziness. 
It's also moving that out of the way. Sanctifying it out of you, right? I'm, I'm killing this. So there's the positive and then it removes the opposite, the negative. When we're called to love one another, it calls us out of selfishness. When we're called to walk in humility, it calls us out of pride. And those things, just like at the gym, being pushed, being, being provoked in those things can be difficult sometimes, right? It stretches us. That's why you quit when you're at home. That's why if you, if you don't have any accountability, you don't have any plan, you don't have anything that you're holding to, if it comes to health and fitness, like me, then you're just like, I don't want to do that tonight. And nobody's there going, why are you not doing that tonight? Come on, let's go. It's what you said you were going to do. You know it's good. You know it's right. Let's go. Let's do it. That's difficult to process because we don't want to do it. It's difficult and there's a stretching. But, but here, here's what I know. The stretching today can strengthen us for tomorrow. Just like at the gym. The pain that we experience today, what? As we're, as we're moving out of selfishness and into selflessness, as we're moving out of our own way of thought and thinking into a God-centered way of life and thinking, there's a stretching there and it can be uncomfortable. But the stretching today strengthens us for tomorrow. What we endure today that stretches, it's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can push this far. I don't know if I can walk this out. It strengthens us for the next day. And we have to be there considering one another to provoke one another to love and good works. It's the same thing. Hey, don't stop. Hey, I know it's tough right now. Hey, let's keep going. Let's keep pressing into what God's called us into. Let's keep pressing into the avenues of grace that he's given to us. I know, I know it's been tough this week. Let's keep going. Let's not give up. Let's not throw up our hands. Let's not get frustrated. Let's just keep going. Right? We provoke one another to love and good works. Don't lose heart. Don't wear out now. You're almost there. Let's go. And you can do more than if you're just walking alone. And that's why he calls us to it. He says, watch out for one another. Provoke one another to love and good works. And then number three is not neglecting the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. How else can we do these things? How else can we encourage each other if we don't see each other? How else can we encourage each other and provoke one another to love and good works if we don't communicate with one another? Church is not the preacher's sermon. It's not the worship leader's song. Church is the gathering of the worshiping body. We worship together in song. We worship together over scripture. That's what we're doing right now. We worship God with our tithes and with our offerings and we gather together and worship him and take communion, the Lord's Supper together. The church isn't any one of those things individually. The church is the gathering of the worshiping body. And now I understand right now, Situation dictates that it be a little bit different, but there still has to be some form of gathering. There has to be some form of interaction. There has to be some form of communication, person to person contact. How else can we consider one another? How else can we provoke one another? How else can we be considered or be provoked if we aren't gathering? Right. When when all of this with COVID kicked off last March and, and everybody, every church, as far as I know, almost all of them went virtual for a while, right? Ours was like from March to Mother's Day. And the first week was kind of neat. It was kind of neat. 
It was like, hey, that's neat. You know, all these other churches, you know, I can watch this church and watch this church. I'm going to tell y'all, by week two, I was ready to be done with that. I was like, I do not like this. This is not what I do. This isn't what I want to do. Right. We made it work and we, we got encouragement out there. and We got the word out there. And we got worship out there. and We made it through. But nobody excelled during that time. Right. Nobody did. Why? Because it was so, the, the gathering was shut off. Now, I mean, you couldn't have benefit there, but you, you miss out on all the most important parts of the gathering. That, that's how I learned. It's not the preaching. It's not the singing. It's the gathering for those things where the power actually is. And you know who missed out the most? You know who was shortchanged the most by just virtual church? was not, not church, but virtual sermon, singing, our kids and our young people. Our kids and our young people. And we did stuff for them. We, we, tried, we did great things for them, but it's not the same. They need to come in here. They need to be here and be around you. You don't realize how much your example to them impacts them. I was going to say means to them. They don't even know it means anything to them. But when they see you committing to make the house of God, the people of God, the body of Christ, a priority in your life, they remember that. They remember that. Even if you're not the one that gets behind the podium with the notebook and teaches them a lesson, when you're here, and they see you standing and worshiping, when they see you sitting under the word, being communicated, when they see you making it a priority, it means something to them. They remember that. Because listen, I, when I was younger, I was a little bit of a hooligan. Now, I was one of the hooligans that was in church, which could be more problematic, right? And, and I'm getting this narrative from the world. I'm getting this narrative when I'm out there in culture. Hey, this is, this is what you need. This will make you happy. Hey, pursue this. Hey, get after this. Hey, you want to come try this. You've got, you can't miss out on this. Culture is communicating to that, that to them on a daily basis. And thankfully, again, being a hooligan, I needed it. I needed to be in church to hear the truth and to see the truth. To see the truth lived out, not perfectly. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But to see the commitment of men and women in the body of Christ who are saying, look, we've been out there. We've seen out there what, what, what they're taunting you with, what they're teasing you with. We've been there. And man, it's not good. It is not what you want. It is not best for you. There is nothing like Jesus in your life. And so I had those two going back and forth. And thank God I had this one. Thank God I had the body of Christ. But our kids, I believe, were the most shortchanged during that time. Because they had the world still making appeals to them. And we were, not by choice necessarily, but just by situation, much quieter in their hearts and in their minds. And they need that. You know, you may be able to listen to a podcast and it gets you through a couple of days. You know, if you, if you can't be here, you know, sometimes you can't, you're working, whatever, you got stuff going on. That's not what it's about. But they need to be in the gathering. It is completely irreplaceable for them. And like I said, I thank God that I had that competing voice, that biblical worldview in the gathering of the body of Christ. Because even in my wondering into the things of the world, I was regularly reminded. They were like, no, this is what the truth is. 
This is what the truth is. Don't believe it. Don't fall for it. And again, don't think they're not paying attention to you just because you're not teaching them from a podium and a notebook. Because they are paying attention. And they'll miss you when you're not here. They'll notice when you're not here. And they'll really notice. Our kids really notice if we place a premium and a priority on something else outside of here. They notice that. We're teaching them that. Or we're teaching them to place a priority and a premium on being here. They learn the value based on what they see you value. Not just the little ones, not just the kids, not just the babies, but those who are, who, who are new into the kingdom. They're wanting to see, I've never been a Christian before. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how one operates. I don't know what they do. You're going to have to show me. You're going to have to show me. Again, watching your favorite preacher on TV or on Facebook, which maybe me, yeah. <laughs> that is good and it's helpful but don't think that that is church. It's not. It's, it's a sermon. You're getting the word. You're getting, I listen to podcasts all week long. I listen to sermons regularly. That's not going to church. That, that, that's feeding. That, that's, that, that's devotion for me. That's good. It is good. It's just not church. It's not church. And those, those that are at home and at home during this time, I'd encourage you to be reaching out. Be connecting with one another. Be connecting with the ones that are here because that's where the blessing really is, is doing this together. And that's the proof of the value of the gathering. When you come, and this is what I missed out on so much when, when we were, you know, Facebook only there for a couple of months, is when you come and you gather together as the body of Christ, you are helped and you're helpful. Going back to the arm example, you benefit and others benefit from you being here. We are helped by being here. And we got to be honest about that. Somewhere along the way, we, we developed this mindset that you got to have everything in order to come to church. I can't go to church today. I'm just having a bad day. I can't go to the doctor. I just don't feel well today. Right? We'd never say that. No, if you don't feel what we're, I, I want to go to the place where I'm going to get an answer to this. I'm going to get a remedy to this. That's what it is. And somehow, somewhere along the way, it got to where I have to have everything in order and I have to be everything fine to, to come to church. It was like a righteousness competition. It was like, who's doing the best? That's not what it is. Not at all. If, if we're worried, if we're tied up with frustration, aggravation, we better get here. We better get here to the gathering. Why? So we can be provoked. So we can be provoked, and then we'll talk about saying we'll be encouraged to love and good works. Again, it's a lie of the enemy. I need, I need help. It's just not going well. I better stay home. Right? Now, if you're sick, you got the stomach virus, stay at home. But what I'm talking about is making it a regular priority of I don't feel like I can go today. I don't feel like I'm good enough to go today. That's a lie from the pit of hell to keep you away from what's actually going to help you get better. To keep you isolated when what you actually need is to be with the body. And again, 
I hope when you hear that, y'all know me, y'all know my heart. There's no condemnation in this, only encouragement, only, only provocation. Because I know, hey, sometimes we got to work. My dad worked regularly on Sundays. I had a lot of Sundays I had to work. You know, you got to provide for your family. You got to do what you're doing. But, but what I'm saying is we have to make sure we're not putting a priority on something else where it shouldn't be there. And that we're putting the priority and the premium on the gathering. I'm not telling you this because I want you to feel bad next time you, do, you, you can't come to church, next time you're not able to come to church. I'm telling you this because I want something good for you, because I believe that's what you will get when you come to the gathering. I love you enough to tell you that truth, because I've seen a lot of people walk out those doors and not come back. And not because they had to work, not because they had something going on, but because they moved their priorities. And I can't think of a one that it went well for. Not one. And not somebody left, went to another church. Sometimes that happens and that's, that can be good. That can be great. God bless. We got some people from, from another church at some time. I think they're pretty good. But when you walk out the door and you start to prioritize other things and you dismiss the need for the gathering, you're, you, you're going to wish you hadn't done that. You're going to reach the point where you wish you hadn't done that. And I don't want that for any of you and that's why I want you to hear this. That's why, I, that's why I tell myself this. Provoke one another to love and good works because we need this. Just like the gym, you try to go it alone, you're going to do less. If you do it by yourself, you're going to do less. And then you're going to get sad because you're not getting stronger. <laughs> you're going to get sad because it's not working. We need this and we need to be honest when we need help. We need to be honest when it's not going well. We need to be honest when we had a bad week or a bad day, or we need to talk about some of the things that we got going on. There is so much freedom in honesty. Getting rid of that idea that I have to be perfect. Getting rid of that. I, I learned so much when we, uh, for, for a few months at least, maybe longer than that, uh, we sponsored a recovery group here at the church. Um, you know, used to before virus and everything, uh, there, there was a group of people that would come that were in treatment for drug and alcohol addiction. And in that, there was a young man who came to our church while he was in that program. And then he got out and he came back. And, and we spent some time with him and, and he had such a passion for Jesus because Jesus had brought him out of that darkness and had a passion for the people that were still there. And so we were like, hey, we're going to hook on to this passion and this energy that you've got. We don't know anything about this, but we want to join up and, and help support folks that are dealing with this because they would go to their meetings every week. And, and we wanted to give them something that took place right before that that was more biblically based and pointed to Jesus. And one thing that I was always amazed at is how honest they were with one another. How honest they were with one another. You know, they, they would come in and their, their practice in those meetings, AA, Narcotics Anonymous, is, you know, hi, my name's so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name's so-and-so, and I'm an addict. And we had a little bit of friction with that, you know, because we're positive confession people. <laughs> we're like, yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, but you're not. Now, right? And they were like, but, but I'm, what, what they're doing is being honest with each other. They're like, I'm going to lay it all out here for you, and then I'm going to see if you run away. 
I'm going to tell you where all the wrinkles are, where all the warts are, where my, everything that I've done in my, in my past, and I want to see if you run away. Because if you don't, and there's not condemnation, and instead there's comfort there, then that's like a drink of cool water to a dry mouth. And so I watched them interact like that, just being able to be honest. They would come in, you know, and when we would normally be like, how you going? How you doing? Doing good. How about you? Doing good. One would ask the other one, how you been doing this week? And they were like, it's been a tough week. And they would use some of the terminology that, you know, they knew from, from the program that I wasn't familiar with. I'd go look at, oh man, he just said, you know, I've really been struggling with this this week. And then they would encourage each other based on that. So there was so much freedom in that honesty. And that's the great thing about the family. When you bring it out and like, this is not going good right now. I need help with this right now. I need encouragement right now. And you don't get condemnation, but instead you get comfort. It's refreshing and encouraging. And it picks you back up off the mat more quickly. When I think about it, as I was kind of meditating on this the other night, I think I was driving home Wednesday night from church because I just enjoyed it so much. And uh, I thought about what our excuse can be sometimes to not go to church, not go to the, the gathering. Well, I haven't been there in a while, right? It'd be weird. I mean, I've missed like the last six weeks, so I can't just show up now, right? That'd be strange. When we would never do that if we were talking about coming home. You know, you see a friend who's gone off to school and you see him at the gas station. He's like, hey, I didn't know you were in. Yeah, I'm in for a couple of weeks. I mean, oh, okay, cool. Well, how's your mom and them doing? I don't know. Well, I mean, you say, what do you mean? You don't know. You haven't, you haven't been home yet? No, I hadn't been home. I've been gone for like four or five weeks and it'd just be weird if I showed up now. Right? We'd never do that. that sounds silly. That's insane. But we say that all the time with church. I mean, I really can't go. Because I hadn't been there and, you know, some of them know where I have been and it just, we just won't. I'm just not going to go. And again, it's this lie that you have to get perfect before you come in here. Like this is a church of perfect people. I've said it before. It's not, the church is not built by, on perfect people. It's built on the perfect person. He was the only one and everybody else is less than. And so we don't have to have that. Okay, I've almost gone too long. It says, consider one another, watch out for one another, provoke, stimulate, and incite one another to love and good works and encourage one another. When we get together, we get provoked. And it will build up energy in you and a charge in you that you can't get anywhere else. It'll sustain you like nothing else can. To know that you're not alone. To know that you're not alone, that you don't have to walk alone. I would say God has called us to follow him and thank God he hadn't called us to do it alone. Because we need one another. The Bible says all the way back at the very beginning, it is not good that man should be alone. And we know that. We've proven that out. It's not good that man should be alone. Andrew, if you'll come up, I'm almost done. And we'll, we'll pray and then we'll sing together. But I'm going to be, again, honest with you. It's, it's difficult to be part of the church. To be an actual, involved, engaged 
part of the church, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's going to require steadfastness and perseverance. But here's what I know. It's going to be difficult for you if you're not a part of the church. It's difficult for you to be here to stay locked in because, look, we're not perfect people. I'm going to upset you. You're going to upset me. And we're going to have to deal with that. And we work through it. And that's part of our sanctification. And that's part of our growth. That when we run into an issue with one another, we, we, we keep coming back to the table and figuring out how are we going to work through this? How are we going to get on the other side of this where we're still walking together in love and agreement? It's difficult to be a part of the church, but it's difficult to not be part of the church in a whole other way. In a whole other way. When you're here, you're going to get stretched. You're going to get challenged. You're going to be provoked. Not easy to be provoked. Not easy to be stretched. But it's not going to be easy if you're not walking in the church. It is going to be difficult. So you get to choose which difficult you want. Yay! Which difficult do I want? Obviously, I want this one. I want the one there's going to be benefit. Where, where the difficulty is in the working, is in the holding on, but the benefit follows. Where the other, I don't get the stretching and I don't get the, the, the challenging, I don't get the provocation, but the backside of that one of walking alone is not where you want to be. We get to pick our difficult. Both paths have difficulties, but one has a much better end than the other. Amen. And again, you don't have to feel like you have to be perfect. You need to feel like you can speak up. And I put it like this. If your house was on fire, if you went home right now from church, you went home and found that your house was on fire, what would you do? You would call for help, wouldn't you? You wouldn't just say, well, I mean, I, maybe it'll be all right. <laughs> you wouldn't say, well, maybe, maybe the fire department will drive by and just check on me. Like maybe they'll, maybe they'll just kind of sense something's going on and they'll just come by and see about me, right? We would never do that. But we put that on the body of Christ all the time. I'm hurting. I'm in a tough place. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit will just tell them that I, that I need help. You can tell them. Unless your trouble's with your mouth. And if you can still write, write that. See what I'm saying? We put that on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I'm just hoping y'all would just notice that the house is on fire and come put it out. Instead of going, I'm struggling with this. I need y'all to help me. And there's an honesty there, but there's also a familial aspect of instead of condemnation, I find comfort. And, in, and instead of belittling, I find encouragement to be like, hey, my house was on fire just last week. Here's what I did. I know how you feel. I felt the same way. Here's, here's what we need to do. And we just continue to provoke one another to love and good works. So if the house is on fire, holler help. Facebook, holler help. Right? Don't put that on, don't, don't put that on, on anybody else. Just say, if this is a family, if we got problems, we can speak up. And you can. And I hope we've given enough avenues. And if we haven't, you let me know and we'll add one and you can be over it. <laughs> to make sure if something's going on, we don't want to be going through it alone that's not what he's given us to one another for because if all we do is come in and sing in, in, in a message and we go out and there's no life together we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing and we're not getting the benefit we're supposed to be getting amen I've gone long enough why don't y'all stand up with me
I'll pray over this as we get ready to go and then Andrew's going to lead us as we sing together. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you've called us to follow you, but you've not called us to follow you alone. As the church was beginning, you told them to go and meet together and wait on you. You didn't tell them. They weren't split up in dozens of different houses. They were together in one accord in the upper room. And the church began. And I thank you, Lord, that it continues today on those same principles. God, that we would consider one another. We'll watch out for one another. We'll provoke one another in love and in good works. And we will encourage one another, instilling, instilling courage in one another. So whatever we're going through, we got people saying, you can do it. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep pressing. I thank you that you love us enough to give us what we need. And even in the stretching, even in the difficult times, Lord, we'll see that there's a purpose in you and that it's building in us a strength and a fortitude for the coming days that we will need. Thank you for your church. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to walk together in the benefit and the blessing we get from that. We love you so much. As we get ready to go today, pray that as we go, we go in peace and unity with, with one another. And Lord, if there's any among us or out from us today who's weak in their body, we pray for strength and healing, wholeness in them in the name of Jesus. If there's any that are fearful or anxious, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus as they bring it to you. And Lord, I thank you that thankfulness will rise up on the inside of us for who you are and for what you've done. And that it'll, it, it'll propel us this week into what you have for us, that we'll take our steps this week with you in mind and your love for us is our driving force. And I thank you that you will, you will help us to better consider one another as we continue this life together in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.